As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. My name is Alex Croson. I'm alongside my co-host... Casey Clapp. Casey Clapp. The Casey the Clapp. How you doing? I'm doing spectacular. I'm really excited for today's tree. Wow. I know that's an abnormal thing for me to say. (laughs) You excited about trees? What? Sounds like a fantasy novel. Yeah, it isn't. If it isn't, it should be. Hmm. I think that would be great. There's probably some tree-related fantasy stuff we could talk about at some point. Yeah, have you ever heard of Lord of the Rings? Um, Remind me. It's a pretty obscure series written in the late 1830s. Is that the one with the boy wizard? I think so, yeah. I was just thinking about Lord of the Rings today. Oh, you know why? Why? Because of the because of today's tree. <gasps> really? Yeah. This makes you think of Lord of the Rings? Oh. Mm, oh my I'm going to slowly, slowly walk backwards through this wall. <laughs> Alex, that's because it's from New Zealand, isn't yes, it? Yes, but we're not going to get quite into that quite yet. Nope. It's just a sneaker. Just a sneaky peeky. That's right. Casey, I have something to say. I would like to hear it. I, Alex Croson, am so tired. Uh, why is... No, come on. You look alive. I don't know what you're talking about. I feel dead. How does one describe... I want to I want to like convince people that they're not tired by being... You look great and have them be like, you're right, I'm not tired. That doesn't work on me. It doesn't work on anyone. I, don't, I think I've tried it. Yeah. Oh, well. Well... But I, this is my way of disclaiming. <laughs> if everybody's like, huh, Alex seems weird this episode, or this episode sucks. No one's ever said either of those things. It's because I'm tired. I'm taking full blame for that. Wow. But I'm hoping that by shining a light right on it, Why? right at the beginning of the episode. Oh, the, I thought you were talking about the tree. Like Sorry. the eye of Sauron. <laughs> We're making a lot of good references here. Uh, that I will. Uh, that I don't know. It'll be. It'll be like a fun thing about this episode. Oh, the yeah. episode where Alex was really tired. I love that one. I think I told you. I, I told you earlier. I'm in. Let's get it done mode. Yeah, you're pretty focused. We've done a lot today so far. Yes, we've done a. Sh- uh, I can say shit. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Do, can, can we? Can we do that? Yeah, they're saying we can do that, Alex. Check with our intern. Yeah, they, they, the intern said it's okay. Give us the thumbs up. It's weird that the intern's in charge in I don't, this company. Hey, listen. Did we, we do something wrong? No, bottom-up management. We want to make sure that we're the best for oh, everybody that's rather what that than top-down. Yeah. Okay. You ever heard of trickle-down economics? Yeah, this is trickle-up management. Exactly. <laughs> you get it. Uh, anyway, so Casey, we have some talking points. Yes, we do. 
Uh, do you want to do? Do you want to do this first one here? Case? Sure. Yeah, we can talk about that. All, All right. Why don't so you take the ball? I'm going to take that ball. Thanks for the pass, Alex. Uh, well, basically, it's about forestry, and we were we've been hearing a lot of a lot of folks have been reaching out to us about logging specifically. It's a um, a. A, a logging, uh, I guess it's just a, a, a pretty intense event going on up in BC. And I was reading the CBC, which is a Canadian broadcasting company's, uh, just, they just got like a quick uh, rundown article on it. Um, because I've heard about this, it's kind of on social media. I follow someone, our group called the um, Ancient Forest Alliance, which is a BC watchdog for forestry things. Yeah. Um, also a um, a creator called uh, Nerdy About Nature, which you should definitely watch him. Probably one of the most high energy um, explainers of things I've ever seen. Now, including myself. Yes. Yeah, so when you, we were we were talking about Nerdy by Nature earlier, yeah, and you said he's so high energy, he talks so fast, and I was like. Whoa, that's <laughs> crazy to hear come out of your mouth. Yeah, it's it's totally true. You should definitely go check him out. And I think everyone will be like, oh, yeah, so much information. And I'm like, you got to take a breath. Mm. And I, I think he does, actually. He's, he comes out with great videos all the time. And um, so, yeah, I watch most of, uh, most of the videos that come, come out. And most of the time, what um, this person is talking about is logging and forestry conservation and preservation in BC up in Canada. And basically what's going on is there is a bunch of old growth logging. Right. Are you familiar with old growth, Alex? Uh, yeah, I mean, context clues get me pretty far on that one. Right. They're forests that have not been logged before and they haven't even been really messed with. Like they're big, old, un uh, uncut, virgin forest is a term that people have used. I don't really like that term very much, yeah. um, but that's a commonly used term to describe it. I am much like the Fangorn forests of Middle Earth. Yes, exactly. So you get these really old, big trees and these forest dynamics and these forest ecosystems that have been developing and coming to maturity over literally hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah. Big trees and old dead trees and forests that are in every single stage of evolution of the forest that's called succession. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And it takes, in order for our forest to reach that kind of level, because our trees grow so slow and they get so big and there's such a complex relationship with one tree growing up and becoming massive and then naturally dying and then falling and then decaying and having other trees do that, that cycle sometimes for a douglas fir forest which is what they're dealing with up there as well as western red cedar could take five to eight hundred years to have one cycle okay so that's what makes it old growth it's not one tree it's a whole forest and so it takes 800 years sometimes for these things to develop and we're going through we being people and just cutting them down for the wood that we're harvesting to make into fences and uh buildings and things like that. It's how they make their money. That's how the warehousers made their money. People still make their money today. But it is a resource, if we want to call it a resource, which again is a human term. If it's a resource, it's meant for us to be using. That's why it's called a resource. If it is just a, an ecosystem that exists, it is absolutely getting decimated. And most places around the world have already been decimated. Like, I mean, like 5% of what used to be there, you know? Wow. Anyway, so what they're talking about is um, it's actually on First Nations land. So a First Nations is um, the basically indigenous community and their term is First Nations. They own this land and they have made a deal with a uh, um, 
timber company to cut the cut the trees. At least this is what it looks like from this article that I'm reading. Um, and so because of that, they have said, yeah, we're managing our land how we choose to manage it. And then other stakeholders, anybody else that lives in Vancouver is saying, no, you should not log the old growth forests because we don't have many of them left and it takes 800 years to develop. So why don't we just leave that alone and go log all the rest of the things we've already logged and use that, you know, basically create a crop out of what used to be a forest. Yeah. Um, so it's a really complex topic, and we don't have time to discuss it here today. So at one point, we promise we will get into um, more more situations on forest management and forests and how we relate to them. Um, but we can't do it here today, but we do want to acknowledge, I just, uh, you know, I think cut the other things. You should probably leave the old growth alone because we're certainly never going to see new old growth in our lifetime. Right. 800 years? Come on now. And it's like, man, we can just, like, we already got, we've already taken so much. Can't we just leave this last little bit? But it's not our decision. You know, there are First Nations people. They want to make their own decisions. I guess that's fair. That's fine. If other people do, landowners have property rights according to the way we've set up our societies. Yeah. And uh, I would recommend anyone who wants to get a little bit of a nuance about what this subject is about, at least here in Oregon, there's a podcast by OPB, Oregon Public Broadcasting, essentially NPR in Oregon, called Timber Wars. And it will give you a perfect example of why this is such a touchy subject. Because there are people who depend on it for their livelihoods. And there are people who depend on it because we have wooden floors. We do live in houses built of wood. I think I think before we started the podcast, we were talking a bit about this. And I was like, my, I don't really, I mean, I am so not knowledgeable about this particular subject that I have a hard time landing on an opinion. Yeah, right. I generally land on the side of like, don't cut down these old growth forests. Um. And it, I, I think I made the analogy to you, like, it's like commercial fishing. Mm-hmm. Like, there is a way to sustainably fish in the oceans, but that's not what these commercial fishermen, fisher people, fish, yeah. f- fish, fishmongers <laughs> are doing. They're just sweeping up every last thing they can find. Yeah, exactly. And killing populations. Now, listen, am I an expert on fishing? Yes. yes. Casey, let's move on <laughs> to our second point of order. Uh, which is Creative Mornings. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. We were approached by Caitlin at Creative Mornings PDX. It's a it's a web series. It used to be a, an in-person series. It did, yeah. Of lectures from creative people. Uh, for some reason, they chose us to talk for half an hour about the podcast. <laughs> Beyond me, Alex. I don't understand. If you're listening to this on Thursday when it comes out, this thing is happening tomorrow morning mm-hmm. at 8.30. Yep. Uh, so you can find a link to that in the bio of our uh, Instagram page. Exactly. Or go to Creative Morning, like search for Creative Mornings PDX and you'll, you'll see completely arbitrary. And if you decide that you don't want to watch it on Friday, I believe it'll be there forever. And there's a lot of other interesting creators and creative people that have been there. And- yes. Regardless of our involvement, it is a, is a very... Uh, a good resource for creatives and human beings alike. Yeah, I agree. Casey, what tree? <laughs> oh, I knew are you were going to ask. Talking about this week. Well, Alex, this week we're talking about a tree that has been near and dear to my heart, except for the fact that I've never seen one in my real life. And wow. I want you so bad. But we've gone from the boreal forests of Canada, uh-huh. and we've ended up in New Zealand, Middle Earth itself. Wow. And we're going to look at one of their god trees, the kauri tree. When I see that word, I see kauri. Yes, and that is a fine way to say it. However, okay. I have found that there is a different way to say it, that I have a hard time doing. Well, what is it? It is... Kauri. 
Kauri. Kauri. Kauri. Can you hear it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's great. Kauri. Kauri. Yeah, kind of like that. Kind of like pull draws itself out. Is that the Maori pronunciation? Yes, that is the Maori. Pron- or, yes, correct. Okay. Well, we're talking about the Kauri tree. Exactly. The Kauri tree. Of New Zealand. Agathis Australis. Our Agathis Australis. Isn't that a pretty intense name? That may be one of my favorite Latin names. <gasps> really? Of any of these trees we've discussed. Oh my gosh. Wow. cones all over the place right now. I'm also partial to Pseudosuga mingesii. Yeah, mingesii. I do is like that as well. Well, Casey, this season, Completely Arbitrary World Tour, we are traveling from country to country, and I have a proposal yes? of how we get from Canada <gasps> to New Zealand. Oh, okay. Please tell me it's going, it's boring through the earth. I think that you and I should ride on the backs of eagles. Oh, yes. Let's do it. Oh, how are we going to call him in? I'll find a moth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we have to, with the whistle, like, uh, doesn't he whistle at some point? Or he just gets the moth to talk to I him? I think, yeah, he just, he, yeah, he does that. And then just somehow the moth is just like, yeah, bro, I'll go get him right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool moth. That's a great moth. That's a uh, moth you want around. Seriously, yeah. Casey? You're a moth that's nice to have around. Oh my gosh, Alex, you're a great butterfly to have around. Ooh, Not that one's you. better. They're very closely related. Here comes the fan art. Okay, here we go. So you and I, on the backs of eagles, we yep. land or we're dropped off in the middle of the New Zealand forest, and we look up and we go, holy shit, look at that tree. It's insane. I've seen pictures. Wow. Casey, yeah. what do we see? Please, let's talk Cowrie. All right. So the cowrie tree is a an evergreen conifer. It is of the ancient line Aracariaceae, <gasps> to be very sure. I know Aracariaceae. Yes, you do. What is it? Um, monkey, monkey puzzle. That's right. This is not, however, in the same genus as monkey puzzle. They are very closely related. This is Agathis. Okay. So they're all in the same family. Um, and you can see it if you look at the cones, which, oh my God, the cones are beautiful. I'm just going to skip everything. We're just going to talk about these cones. They look like dragon's eggs. I'm not joking you. Wow. They really do. Just greenish, kind of dark dragon's eggs. And like their spiral is just beautifully perfect going all the way around their central axis. They have scales that open up and release these little winged seeds that kind of flow around. And my God, they are just so like, the, especially as they're developing and they're really tight, they kind of look like a true cedar where they kind of grow upright on these little peduncles. Yeah. And then they just, I just, I think they're the coolest thing. I had to look up that photo and I'm like, I should get a tattoo of that. It is uh, a gorgeous cone. I mean, I, I, I uh, yeah, they look like, God, what do they look? I mean, they definitely look like dragon eggs. Okay. I'm, I'm glad you at least agree with that. Yes. 100% dragon egg cone. Uh, Casey, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I'm thinking Cowrie Cone of the Month Club. Cone. Oh, God, yes. Someone draw that up. 100%. So you find these cones on the ground, and then you're like, oh, this is a cowrie tree. I got to look this up. And you look up literally. not. This is the old school version of looking something up where you literally just look up <laughs> and you see it. <laughs> First thing is you're going to see, um, well, I'm just going to skip to the really big ones, like the ones that you want to see. Okay. They are going to be a massive 
perfectly cylindrical column of tree growing straight up in front of you. Yeah. They're gray and they kind of have uh, almost like scaly puzzle piece-ish kind of like bark. Not quite as intense as, say, the uh, ponderosa pine. That's what I thought you were going to say. Yeah, not quite. It's more on the level of a spruce where they're like these big kind of like multiple different sized scales that will fall off. To me, it looks a bit quilted. Yeah, that's a great description. That's a perfect description. Quilted and a little mottled. Like you kind of can rub your hands on it. It'll have a certain texture to it. It kind of goes in, goes out, and kind of comes back. A little bit rough. It's gray, very kind of like a, a stone gray kind of thing. And what's so cool about these trees is that they will drop a lot of their um, lower limbs as they get shaded out, and they just remain almost perfectly cylindrical. I've read a bunch of things about it, and they're like, it does not even look like there's any taper in the trunk for ever like it just kind of has a buttress base and it just goes whoop, straight up like a like a, a column yeah it's a real chunk of tree but let's say you do end up finding your way up to the top or you find a little one because there are little ones that'll grow within the the shadow within the uh the drip line is what it's called but a drip line imagine you have rain that's falling on top of a tree and it will hit the tree and not go straight down if it hits the canopy you know the width of the canopy mm-hmm. as it goes out and then at the very end is where the water would actually hit down unpeated They would call that the drip line. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's basically how wide the tree's canopy is without giving it an actual measurement. You're just saying, go to the drip line. That's the end of the canopy of the tree where there's no longer branches above you. Fascinating. So the drip line is directly related to a a tree's capaciousness. Exactly. It would be a measurement of capaciousness. Underneath, so you have these little little, tiny trees growing. Mm -hmm. And what's really funny is that when you imagine a conifer, generally you're thinking like needle-like leaves, right? Yeah. These do not have that. Their leaves are actually, they're almost like, you know if you put a uh, one of those penny machines, you go to um, like yes. a, a thing, you, you spin it, you put in two quarters and, and you get back a crushed penny. It squashes the penny yeah. into an oblong sort of long oval. Yes. It looks like that if, the, if one side went closer down to a point and rather than a perfectly symmetrical thing. What a fascinating thing to think. Casey, I see that these are compound leaves. They are, in fact, not compound leaves. They are singly born. Each one of those is its own leaf. Well, a fool am I. You are not. You just did not read through all the things that I did. Okay. They're attached either opposite or sub-opposite, kind of almost a little bit of a spiral, but not a very intense spiral. And they just look like these little pads coming out from the side of these uh, these little twigs. But the thing is, they don't look like what you'd expect from a conifer. No. They don't have the, um, they, you know, it's kind of like the monkey puzzle where it's a conifer with these, you know, leaves and they are of this certain kind of tree, which is a conifer. They, they're completely different than all other broadleaf trees, um, except the ginkgo, which is kind of funny. But they are, yeah, so they have interesting leaves. When you look at it, you, you don't think to yourself first, huh, that makes cones. You would think, oh, that probably has some weird, you know, thing related to a eucalyptus or a laurel or something like that yeah it doesn't really look like anything that i've seen i mean it's not like really really weird but like like the monkey puzzle you just don't think about it right but it's like huh these look like kind of unnatural well they're uh they're very nice light green obviously you can see that if you're looking it up and they're very leathery in fact i believe i had to look up a term that was used to describe them because i thought it was really funny what was that term that term was coriaceous C-O-R-I-A-C-E-O-U-S. Coriaceous. Of or looking similar to leather. Really? That's what I believe it means, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, there you go. These are very coriaceous trees. Yeah. uh, And so here's Uh, the last- Leaves. What? (sighs) Nothing. Alex, I'm sorry I cut you off. No. 
It wasn't you. All right. It was me. Well, we'll have to move on anyway. This is uh, this is the first time people are like, oh, this is what Alex meant when he said he was tired. <laughs> Fast forward through this part. <laughs> so what happens uh, with this tree is they get really, really old. And as they get really old, they do what other trees um, of this kind do. So in New Zealand, it has this really weird like tropical, subtropical kind of vibe going on. Like yeah. tree ferns and palms, and, like all this wacky stuff. And when you get that kind of forest, they usually don't get quite as tall and big as our like conifers do out here for whatever reason. And I'm still trying to like figure out exactly why, you know, why there's not gigantic, huge trees everywhere the size of our Douglas firs and our Western red cedars and Mm -hmm. redwoods. In this section of New Zealand, and these grow on the very tippy top of the northern island of New Zealand. The North Island. Just there? Just there. That's it. In fact, there's no fossil evidence that they've ever grown anywhere else. So these trees, they're what's called emergent trees. So not only are they like just kind of look like these really badass trees, they also are this one specific sort where they grow head and shoulders over all the other trees around them. And this happens a lot in tropical forests where you get kind of a normal sized canopy that's maybe, you know, three quarters of the height of the tallest tree. Okay. And then you have another big, massive tree that is just blown every other tree out of the water. Maybe it's older. Maybe it just gets bigger and it goes googe over the top. And so it emerges out of the canopy of the rest of it. It looks a bit like a fountain kind of coming out of yeah. the out of the water. Exactly. Yeah. So it just um, rises head and shoulders over everything else around a, it. A so just look. massive trees. Oh, totally great look. And apparently they get huge. Many people know about the redwoods. Many people know about giant sequoias. These big. are like the two big, 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 big things, right? Big trees. But no one ever then says, what's number three? Mm. What's the what's the bronze <gasps> medalist of this race here? Is it cowrie? It's the cowrie tree. Wow. It beats out our Douglas firs, western red cedars, everything else that we have up here. They are the third largest tree by volume in the world. That's incredible. Yeah, they're huge. And I'm like, wait, how come I didn't know this? Why didn't anyone else tell me this? I'm so upset. Looking at pictures of this thing, I mean, 20 feet in diameter? Yeah, like about that. 400 centimeters or more in diameter. I don't know why they did that in centimeters, but that's what I got. Well, there's a little bonus for our European yeah, friends. Yeah, there you go. So they're, they're just massive trees. And they huge. also get like 50 meters tall, which is like 150, 200 feet. Like it's just... They are huge, massive trees, and they have a capaciousness which is to die for, Alex. <laughs> well, tell me, uh, tell me about their capaciousness. Was that a setup to talk about capaciousness of the cowrie? It was. Yes. Oh gosh, we're so good. <laughs> and yes. then I had to call it out and ruin it. <laughs> oh yeah, way to go. <laughs> the mystique. Wow. So their capaciousness is specific to them doing so well and having this emergent quality. So there's a lot of different broadleaf varieties of trees that grow down there. Okay. However, in this forest, they have measured, because some people kind of notice, they're like, do trees, and we talked about this actually with the uh, monkey puzzle, they said, well, do these trees actually change the soil and the ecosystem around them to make it better for them so that they are more or less creating a space that is not not the same as the allopathic-ness um, of other trees where they use chemical warfare to right. like, kill off things. A topic we talked about in our Black Walnut episode. Exactly. Continue. Thank you. This is using... Uh, your what you create, so your um, just the acidity of their um, the leaves, which all evergreen, um, especially conifers, have very acidic leaves, and as those fall and hit the ground, 
they then don't decay or start to decay and slowly but surely leach into the soils. Hmm. So, and this is just a natural process where if you just put a bunch of acidic things in there, as they start to decay, acid kind of leaches out of them. As water comes down, absorbs a very, very tiny little minute amount of that acid, it ends up going down into the soil and then leaching that soil of certain nutrients. Wow. When it leaches it from those nutrients, you get what's called a potasol. And that's a, a kind of soil that you'd see in like underneath wetlands and in all the kinds of acidic forests that you could imagine in like heathlands in the British Isles in Scotland, instead of a soil that's getting built up by the humus and the um, the different decay levels of things that are happening mm-hmm. inside of it, this is one that's almost doing the exact opposite, where the stuff that's decaying is actually reducing certain nutrients like nitrogen and phosphorus, which are very important for the growth of certain trees. On the very top layer, you have this decaying matter that's actually like organic matter getting decayed. The cowrie tree sends roots up into that very topmost layer of soil. Okay. And it also has fungal filaments, mycorrhizal fungi, that go into it and start to decay that stuff as well and pull out nutrients. Meanwhile, below that, in the soil proper they actually start getting leach soils that have less nutrients in it. And that is where a lot of the broadleaf species of trees that grow around them in this forest, that's where they would put their roots, is in that next layer down. So they end up getting a fascinating sort of dichotomy of soil layers underneath them that makes it less habitable for little seedlings of other broadleaf plants, but because they have a fungal relationship and they just prefer these kinds of soils, they end up making the habitat better for them. So not only are they out-competers above the ground, uh-huh. they are out-competers below the ground. Yes, indeed. How cool. Isn't that fascinating? That's great. I can't wait to talk more about the cowrie tree, but we have to take a break, my friend. We'll be right back with more Completely Arbitrary. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Today we're talking the cowrie tree of New Zealand. Casey. Yes, Alex. Take it away. Oh, man. Okay, first I should ask, do you have any questions? Uh, no, I think I'm following. I mean, that last yes. bit was a little hairy for me. Oh, the soil bit? The soil thing, but that's not even, I mean, to me, that's like, that's like, that's like trees 102, it's you like know? It's like alchemy of trees, yeah? Yeah, it's just like a, it's just like a step above what I can really comprehend mm. and appreciate when it comes to trees. All right, Maybe yeah. I'm not giving myself enough credit. Maybe I, I am. I think so. You're, you're co-host of a tree podcast. Well, I mean, the gimmick is that I'm an idiot of trees. <laughs> but uh, thank you for, you know, trying. <laughs> um, uh, but maybe it's because this is the episode where Alex is tired. Aww. I'm going to keep leaning on Man, that. Man, if I could pinch your cheeks right now. <laughs> You're too far away. Yeah, I know. Go, Casey, go gadget arms. 
Oh, wow. Casey. Oh, <laughs> God, <work>. that's grotesque. <laughs> Before we get into the more cowery tr- talk, I might I should have maybe saved this for my final review. Oh, all right. But I want to say before uh bef- I'm sure many people have made this connection already and are screaming at their phones. Casey, the cowry looks like it could be the model for Lothlorien. What? From Lord of the Rings. Lothlorien? Lothlorien. It totally could be. Lothlorien oh my God. being the giant fun treehouse of the elves. You're totally right. Yeah. I bet you it was. I wonder if Tolkien maybe like not Tolkien. No, that would have been the Tolkien. Peter Jackson. Yeah, it would well, have been Peter Jackson. Didn't didn't Tolkien base some of his stuff on on uh, on New Zealand? I don't know. I didn't know he had ever been there. I thought maybe. Well, I mean, I'm surely he would know about it. I'm sure. Yeah. Maybe I'm huh. maybe I'm conflating several things. We'll get people to tell us. Yeah, what's I, want, what. I want everyone else's opinion on this because I can when I picture the Lord of the Rings the movie, uh-huh. I can see this tree because it has like that very smooth gray bark and that kind of thing. So yeah. like, I could see it being like the model for it. Also, the tree itself in Maori culture is considered a god, so at least very specific trees. Let's talk about that, Casey. Oh yeah. So I mean, I think it, it, all these things come together. It's like, yeah, that does feel like the perfect descriptor. I would not be surprised if it came into it in terms of symbolism, uh, like a hundred percent. Right. Maybe during the production design of yeah. the movies, they were like, "Hey, look at this. This looks like a Lothlorien." Exactly. I can't be the first person to have made this connection. I don't think so. And if I have, if I am, yeah. I'm a genius. Hey, honestly, yeah. I bet you Peter Jackson is thinking about like, why didn't we think of that? Oh my God. <laughs> it makes no difference. <laughs> so in this case, um, there is one of my favorite books that I got many years ago is called Remarkable Trees of the World by Thomas Pankenham. Let me see that. Uh, you ready? Yes. Here it comes. Ha! All right. That was it. great. I'm not very good at throwing books. You did a great job just now. I really appreciate it. Without hitting all these cameras around us. Last of the Maori gods. Is exactly it. So what I like about this book is that this is uh, it's just an old guy who decided he needed to go look at all these incredible trees and like kind of tell a story about each one of them. And what I like about him is that he just like he accepts a hundred percent what they say about it. Like he's not like, yeah, well, this is like this, but scientifically speaking, this is pretty inaccurate. He's just like, you know what? If you want to believe that this is this, then that's exactly what it is. Like, why wouldn't it be? That's chill. It's it's such a great book. And also, um, he does a good job of kind of telling you his little story about, you know, how he interacted with the tree and how other people interacted. So this tree in Maori culture, it was a god. In fact, as I was looking through here, um, I had another, I had to get another different version of how to say certain words because they are, um, they, it's a language that has a lot of nuances to it. Sure. And there's literally an entire thing just called Maori Dictionary. I'm not even sure if I'm saying Maori correctly. I think it's Maori. Maori, yes, Maori. See, I'm see, I messed it up. But every even time. I could be wrong. Who knows? Well, I could listen to this dictionary. I mean, somebody knows. Yeah, we appreciate just you. Just not us. <laughs> yeah, we have fully said we're going to try our best, but we're going to fall short. Surely. Yep. Um. So in this case, um, there are two trees. In fact, Alex, go to that. Um, there should be two names on there. Uh, that talk about those. Oh no, it's in that page right there. Just looking at. Okay. Um, if you read through there, it says the name of these two god or these two trees that they do see as gods. And oh, go ahead, can you find it? Tane Mahuta. Yeah, that's one. And then there's another one as well. Te Matua 
Ngahere. I think that's it, yeah. Te Matua Ngahere. Yeah, and one of them was the, uh, it was a god, and legend has it that this tree, I, I would assume it would be this tree specifically, I could be wrong, um, literally ripped apart two gods to create light, and they were in this like celestial embrace, and that tree ripped them apart to allow light and sky and rain down onto earth, wow. and that's where, that's why life flourishes, is because that tree existed, ripped apart those to uh, those two gods and is the son of those gods. I I now have an after hearing that lovely story. Yeah. I have a new visual analogy of what this tree looks like. Oh, tell me. It looks like a an arm coming out of the earth and a big oh, grasping hand. That's such a good descriptor. It's just like a big forearm. And it's got gigantic fingers. Some of yes. those branches it just goes straight up like a column and then just has these massive like almost some of those on one of those trees are like 2 to 3 meter sized limbs coming yeah. out. Yeah. Huge. And these limbs are are little are like kind of stubby boys. Yeah, just a little bit, right? Yeah. yeah. Can we That's... talk about stubby boy limbs at some point? Sure, I have think you, so. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't think so. You know those like big stubby branches and they have little t- mini hairs oh, growing off of yeah. them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like big fist branch, little stubby boys. Yeah, yeah, That's, that tree is either topped or coppiced. That's what that's called. If they if they cut it and then they get these big like fists that just have all these little twigs yeah, that yeah, are coming yeah, out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a thing called coppicing or pollarding. Okay. Yeah, they used to do it in the old world a lot um, because they would grow up a tree top it and just like cut all the branches uh-huh. and then they would send up all these new really quick or quick growing twigs they'd cut all those off and feed them to their animals or they'd use them to weave baskets wow. or do something like that and so it was a very common way to to um, maintain a tree even though it's actually really bad for the tree in terms of physiology it's really good in terms of getting the tree to produce the same thing over and over and over and over that's crazy yeah, there you go we've had several people write in about and send and say what's happening here and it's a picture of a yeah. tree with stubby boys totally yeah oh I mean I, I know we've answered a couple of them, but that yeah, we'll talk about topping here one of these episodes too. That'll be great. So these um, these cowrie trees, they were um, revered as gods, especially these big ones. And remember how we were talking about earlier logging on ancient old growth forests. Yes, this entire place used to be an old growth forest. Now New Zealand is known to be like these big rolling hills with big you know meadows and grasslands. Mm-hmm. They grow a lot of sheep there, famously. In this place, back when these trees were the main thing on the scene, there were forests covering this entire island wow. everywhere. And they were covered with these gigantic trees. Some of them are like a legendary size, like like I, something like 26 meters tall, which is like an insanely huge tree. Trees that were twice as wide as the biggest that we know now. And these are all these things, you know, people will say, well... That we can't really trust that. Did they actually measure it? Was it like, yeah, in you know, 1862, we found a fish that was this big, and everyone's like, did you measure it? And they're right. like, no, we just, you just got to believe us. Yeah. So you know, you always got to question it, but at the same time, they have some that they've counted that are way bigger, and they're still finding logs, and like, it's not unreasonable. This tree's kicking it, and it's like 2,000 years old, and it doesn't show any signs of stopping now. Shit. So imagine giving another 2,000 years, what's going to happen? Wow. So they cut down. They being the Europeans, cut down a bunch of them but also um, they were super important again as a tree of life for the native peoples of this this island the Mm -hmm. Maori so they ended up um, cutting them down to make gigantic um canoes just the same way as the indigenous people in the northwest used to do that with the western red cedar right they were hugely important in the culture in fact these people were also famous in regards to their tattoos which is still a famous thing I read through a big long article about this on a, a tattoo website 
And they all have um, face tattoos because that was the most prominent, most important spiritual place. And so if you got face tattoos, it would show your prestige or your age or your um, importance to your tribe or your peoples and that kind of Mm. thing. And so they would use um, soot and or soot of burnt resin called, I believe it's mocha. And they would use that for the tattoo ink when they would tattoo on their uh, on their people. That's awesome. Yeah, so this so tree. So from the tr- from yeah. the tree, resin yes. from the tree? Yes, burnt resin from the tree, the soot from that. Okay, did you possibly mean moco? Moco? Yes, did okay. I say that? Yeah, you said mocha, but I'm just looking at our show notes and it says oh, moco. Yes, sorry, moco, okay. mocha. Oh, yeah, maybe I'm just in the mood for a mocha. Ooh. I like mochas. I haven't had one in years, I don't think. That sounds really good. Yeah, yeah. mocha is I feel like is sort of a a drink that gets phased out pretty early in your coffee drinking years. Yeah, I think it's true. I just drink black coffee. Yeah, I think we always we all, we all come back to black coffee. That's true, yeah, in the end. So, the uh this tree, you know, it, it kind of honestly I see when I was reading through the the sort of cultural um play that this tree played, it really, really sounded super familiar with the indigenous people of North America, Mm -hmm. where this tree was so massive and so revered, where it was a part of their life in such important ways, obviously spiritual, but also in a uh, figure or a literal sense where they would use it to go fishing. They would use it to travel to different places, that kind of thing. So they were, you know, incredibly important, but then, you know, colonization happened and cut down all these big, massive trees. So they have these trees protected now and they have a gigantic forest, um, reserve for them and it's such rugged country that it's just we, we didn't get to them because they were so they were just hard to get to and now we're finding some of these really big old massive trees and they're like yeah honestly we could still probably find a bunch of huge trees we just haven't explored it enough so anyone who wants to go out and explore and find the same uh, big trees you can find some of those redwood people who've been doing it for years and just go out and find these trees because the more we know are out there the more we can kind of say this is a really important thing we still have this resource and we need to still protect it that's so, beautiful case yeah well i think I, I can't imagine a better time to get into our review casey i think that's a very fair thing here's how it works casey and i will take turns giving some final thoughts on the kauri tree and then assign it a rating of zero to ten golden cones of honor casey oh this this uh season honor is spelled h-o-n-o-u-r say, we're in new zealand that's right casey as a resident expert dendrologist we will begin with you all right so this is um honestly i was a little bit sad that i didn't i didn't appreciate that this tree was the bronze medalist in terms of size right i can't believe i didn't actually ask myself what's the bronze medalist trees in, in terms of size because once you get down there there's a lot more competitors, right? Because you got Douglas fir, the Western Red Cedar, but they actually, as in this article, they're like, yep, beats out the Western Red Cedar ever so slightly by mm. just the tip of a cone. So this tree is, hey, the bronze medalist, it's an incredibly, incredibly massive tree. It could get bigger. It shall get bigger if we let it. And on top of that, one thing that I really appreciate about New Zealand is that even though we uh, Westerners, to, so to speak, the um, Europeans have come up with names for these things, um, they refuse to call them that. And so they're like, no, no, this is the name. And they use the indigenous name for many of their trees, if not all of them. Hell yeah. And I really appreciate that because I think that that is, I don't think that we should, as you know, taxonomists or namers of things, um, end up basically mashing all the kinds of trees into some arbitrary category. I'm sorry, arbitrary (laughs) category 
that is, you know, just silly. You're like, you know, woolamy pine. It's not a pine in any possible way. Yeah. And uh, so the monkey puzzle, it's not a, you know, you know it should be. It's not away. a monkey. It's not a monkey. It's a tree. It's, yeah, it's not a puzzle. It's not a monkey. It's a tree. Why can't you see this? <laughs> so I really appreciate that they um, in New Zealand are like saying, no, 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 we have names for these things and we're going to use them. We're not going to try to mash it in. Right. You were saying, I just want to clarify, you were yeah. saying monkey puzzle because a European looked at a monkey puzzle and thought it looked so bizarre and foreign that he said it would puzzle a monkey as opposed to its native name, the Pei Wen. Yes. Exactly. Okay. I just wanted to clarify the what was happening there. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I really appreciated that. No um but also, yeah, we like in uh in Europe they have trees that are they've known for years. The pine, the uh Picea, the spruce. You know, we we have these names and then when we go and look and say, Well, it kind of looks like that, I would prefer we just say, Nope, if it is this tree from here, we're gonna call it that name. If it's this tree over here, what do you guys call it? Okay, it's that. I just think that's a it's Maybe difficult to do because you you know it's hard to remember a lot of different names for things that aren't uh, somehow categorized. But we exactly. have a bigger capacity for that than we think. Thank you. Exactly. You just like and, and same, wave your hand. And same I agree. goes. Yeah. Same goes for gender politics. Yeah, I think we can just use use the name that that, that thing is. Yes. You know. So I um so having said all that, I'm going to give this tree a straight up nine point two. Lovely. It is such a cool tree. Wow. I'm just, I want to go down and see these trees so bad. Every picture that I've seen, they look incredible. A 9.2 Golden Cones of Honor. That's what I'm going to give spelled it. Spelled H O N O U R from renowned dendrologist Casey Clapp. <laughs> Casey, I think the cowrie is one of my favorite trees we've covered on the mm-hmm. podcast. Interesting. As you'll remember, I gave the ginkgo a perfect 10. I do remember that. I wouldn't undo that. I wouldn't either. But looking at the cowrie, I'm like, man, I'm, I might, this is cooler than the ginkgo to me. Wow. But I can't give it a 10. Okay. I just have to change my standards. Oh, really? I love its, uh, I love its cultural significance. It looks like a god. It looks like a bringer of light. It looks insanely cool and strong and powerful and beautiful and remarkable and poignant. It looks important. I'm going to give it a 9.4. 9.4. Golden Cones of Honor. Man, that feels right to me. And Casey, do you remember what I did the last time when a tree got over nine cones of honor for both of us? I do remember that. Alex is getting up. He's walking over to his collection of multiple instruments and he's pulling out one that I believe is called a Melonica. Melania? Melodica, he said. He said Melodica because you put the little bit in your mouth and you play the piano. This it, is this is what pianists do on, on tiny desk concerts. It's a melodious harmonica. <laughs> it's a melodica. <laughs> To the cowrie tree, we honor you. (laughs) What an insult. Oh, man. To this beautiful tree. <laughs> Cracks me up every time. Hey, whatever gifts we can offer, I think that it would accept them. Yeah. I we, would hope. <laughs> we bring what we have. 
The melodica. The melodica. The Olympics theme played on melodica. <laughs> it's the best we can do. I like didn't know what that tune was for a long time, and then it clicked, and I was like, oh, why did I choose that? <laughs> it does have an epic air to it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's Olympic. <laughs> that makes me feel good. And much like uh, the gods of Olympus. Exactly. This tree belongs on top of a mountain. Uh, that's a bit of a stretch, but... Yeah, it grows weird. It, it has its preferred habitat. You got to end a segment somehow. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Oh, thanks, Alex. Hey, thank you, Casey. <laughs> Casey, it's time for our completely arbitrary Q&A. All right. Casey, this week, our question is from Joshua Bauer, or should I say, Joshua Bauer's child. Oh, oh my gosh. Is this, an, this is another question from a... From a child. It is a nine-year-old. Oh my gosh. Hello, Joshua Bowers child, nine-year-old. Uh, as it's now in accordance with the rules that uh, every time we have a Q&A, we have to have a child read them. <laughs> <laughs> you think people are exploiting us and uh, uh, yes. <laughs> trying to pull at our heartstrings? Absolutely. And you know what? Have at it. Yeah, it works. All right. Oh, Kyle is the name of the child, I think. Okay, yes, that's right. Hi, Kyle. And Kyle has a question about birch trees. So let's hear it, Case. Hi, Casey. This is Kyle Velasco. I have a question on trees for you. Um, I'd like to know why birch trees have black spots on them. Bye. Mm. Bye. And it sounds like, uh, thank you so much for your question, Kyle. It sounds like there was a bonus child in the background of that yeah, recording. I love that. Yeah. I hope that that doesn't give that, that other child a uh, some kind of complex. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, these people called me just a bonus. You matter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a good question. Thank you, Kyle. Yes. Uh, Casey, why do birches have those black marks on them? This is a great question. There's actually two answers to this, I think. Um, so birches have like these really intense white uh, many times the paper birch and a lot of different other species um, they have white bark like really starkly white papery bark um, but there's also one called the Jack Montii which is a Himalayan birch we have another one that's orange there's a gray birch there's all sorts of different birches some have more uh, starkly white bark than others. So if you see one of these really starkly white barked trees, that's the very outermost layer of the bark. Right. Whereas as you see a um, the side of it, where maybe maybe as the bark is growing, um, it splits and you start to see layers of the other bark underneath. Mm. Then you end up getting kind of a side angle and those are uniquely black, really, really dark. So if you have a branch that's growing out from a, a tree, tree. The way that uh, wood works, and this is a much hard, easier thing to show if I actually had a piece of wood, but a branch comes out and then that branch will get bigger and then the stem will get bigger around it. So you have it getting bigger in the branch direction, which would be, I guess, growing horizontally outwards. Okay. And then you have the main stem that is now growing outwards, going kind of down the branch. Does that make sense? It's like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So the branch, the, the circular ness of the branch that grows in diameter and then the wood from the main stem which is now perpendicular to that branch uh -huh. then grows out again casey i think that was a great way of describing it yes so as those grow out they get bigger and bigger you get this weird bark pattern that kind of looks like almost um the top of an eye or maybe an eyebrow over the top of that bark uh, or that the branch bark ridge is what it's oh. called so if you clip off that branch or that branch dies and is shed for whatever reason, then that tree will cover over the 
wound, which is that old um, dead branch, and then it will, but it will still have that branch bark ridge that exists and kind of will take many, many years for the tree to kind of outgrow it and kind of cover it up and it would just kind of fade away as the the rest of the bark expands and grows. So you end up getting these really interesting, almost looks like eyeballs or like eye, just kind of the top eyebrows. Yeah, exactly. Just eyebrows with this weird like not eye underneath. Or like I I describe them as chevrons. Yes, uh uh-huh. That's good too. Yeah, on some trees, they are super obvious. On some trees, they're a little less obvious. But that is one thing that really is like a very obvious dark thing on the stem. And really, it's just an abnormality in the bark due to this old branch and the growth patterns of the tree at that time that you're seeing it. I think this is a great question to ask, Kyle. I I looked at it. I didn't even realize that. I looked at a picture of a birch and I was like, oh, yeah. Like, that is something I never even realized or even wondered about it's a very very uh astute observation i would say yeah well there's other there's one other thing alex and this is really easy uh it's lentisols also grow so if you look at it birch bark it has these like horizontal white or dark lines on the bark yes i think i've called these uh stretch marks before yes they look almost exactly like what you would imagine yeah um with that kind of thought in your brain and they have um they just grow all up and down the bark, and those sometimes can be more dot-like or more like dashed lines mm-hmm. rather than being really long lines. It kind of depends on the species, depends on the age. Um, but a lot of times, those would be the little spots, either the really big ones that you can see that are black, almost complete contrast to the white bark. That's probably an old limb that's been pruned off. Okay. Whereas if it's a little teeny dash or dot or kind of a long dash line growing horizontal with a bunch of them on the bark, that is probably a lentisol. And a lentisol is a uh, kind of a, a gas exchange location in the bark, whereas it is making um, and doing all sorts of physiological things, it needs to let off a little bit of air here and there, breathe out some oxygen, take it. Excuse me. Speaking of breathing out oxygen. Oh my gosh, there there you go. Those are lentisols, and those grow, um, or they grow as the tree grows, but they're gas exchange areas for the tree. So sometimes they'll take in oxygen, other times they'll uh, release out, I'm sorry, they take in carbon dioxide, release oxygen. Sometimes they also take in oxygen as well. So if we were to to describe this to a nine-year-old child or to Alex, I think we would use the same metaphor. To me, that's like a little, it's like a little... uh, you know, you might, uh, f- uh, in a cartoon, maybe a c- character farts and uh, b- splits their pants, you know? <laughs> I wouldn't say they're going to split their pants, but maybe. <laughs> it's, like, uh, it's like the tree kind of splitting its pants, letting out some gas. Yeah, it is. That's exactly what it is. It's just a gaseous tree just uh, smelling up the whole place. Yeah. Are we on board with that metaphor? I'm sticking with it. All right. We can't go back. I thought Kyle would appreciate it yeah, at yeah. least. Yeah, yeah. Give us a high five, Kyle, if that's the case. Hey, Kyle, thanks for the question, and thank you, Joshua, for sending it in. And thank you, Casey, for another episode of Completely Arbitrary. Honestly, wouldn't happen without you. Uh, Hey, uh, it also wouldn't happen without you. Everyone out there. There's a a lesson here. (gasps) Teamwork makes the dream work. (laughs) Was that the lesson? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. If you have a question about trees, email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at arbitrarypod. We have lots of fun things happening there. Or support us on Patreon. You can become a part of the Arboretum with two free bonus episodes a month or the Cone of the Month Club and receive a unique illustrated cone sticker every month with a little info card. We use different artists every month and it's a lot of fun and it's really cute. 
And it's a great way, a great, great way to support the podcast. We thank you so, so much for supporting the Patreon, all of you who are. And all of you who are just listening to this uh, show for free, we also just love you. I'm tickled by you every time. Tickle, tickle. Casey. Alex. Thank you, my friend. Great work this week. Until next time. We'll see you there. I'm going to go take a nap. Good night. Good night, everybody. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our production consultant is Olivia Frankie. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by The Mini Vandals. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.